John 17, this is what we refer to as Jesus' high priestly prayer uh, before he went to Calvary for us. And he's praying for his disciples and he's praying for us, praying for all those that would come to believe in him through, through uh, the disciples. And in John 17, 1 to 3, Jesus spoke these words, lifting up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son also may glorify you. As you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Jesus did not come into the world to condemn the world, John tells us. Jesus came into the world that the world might be saved. If there's anything condemning you this morning, anything holding you back, it's not God. It's not Jesus. He didn't come to condemn you. And if it's not Jesus, it's not his spirit. For, for God is not divided. God is one. God is not condemning you today. Jesus' mandate was to give eternal life. Jesus' purpose was to bring eternal life to as many as would receive what he was going to do for them. Receiving Jesus as our Savior, that moment when we recognize that our life wasn't right, wasn't in accordance with that of, of a holy God, that there, was, that there was something called sin separating us from him. And, and when we asked him, Jesus, I recognize that there is something in me that prevents me from living the holy kind of life to, to be able to walk with you, a holy God. Jesus, would you forgive me? Would you, would you wash me? And he said, yes, yes, yes. And he washed you and he cleansed you and he made you his child. And that was the beginning, though. That was the beginning of a journey. That wasn't meant to be the end of it. That was entering in through the narrow gate. Salvation is about belonging. Salvation is about coming home to your true home, coming home to your Father, and coming to know Him. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God. Eternity starts the moment you got born again. The moment your sin was washed away, you became a new creature. You entered into the kingdom of heaven. You don't wait for eternity when we leave this life. You are in eternity now, and this is eternal life, that you may know him, that you may walk with your God today. We've been doing the series, and, and Sandy, I'm not a great fan of Facebook, but Sandy's way better at it than me, and she always finds these awesome stuff on Facebook. And she found me this one this week from Anne Graham Lotz. She is the daughter of Billy Graham, Anne Graham Lotz. She's a wonderful, uh, wonderful woman. She's written some really wonderful books. She's got a fantastic ministry. She genuinely loves Jesus. And um, this is, anyway, this is just a small thing that she wrote that lines up, and she called it Walking with God. She says, once a week... I walk with a friend. We have two rules that we follow. We must walk at the same pace and we must walk in the same direction or we won't be walking together. The same rule applies to walking with God. We must walk at his pace, which is step-by-step -step obedience to his word, and we must walk in his direction, which is surrender of our will to his. 
isn't it time you took a walk with God? What a challenge, hey? Isn't it time we took a walk with God? So, receiving Christ is the start of our journey. It's the start of the adventure of our lifetime. It's the start of our journey. Hebrews 12, we've looked at a number of scriptures. Hebrews 12, verses 1 and 2, tells us that there is a race that's set before us. It says, run with endurance the race that's set before you. You run your race. Take your place in the race of life. 2 Timothy 4, 6. This is, this is Paul writing his final letter before he was going to be martyred. Not knowing his, his, his means of execution, he just knew that he was about to be martyred. And he says, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. And he says in 2 Timothy 4, 7, he says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. You know, the righteous are as bold as lions, the Bible tells us. This man, Paul, there is no sign of fear or regret in his voice. There's no sign of bitterness for all those that have deserted him and abandoned him. His eyes are fixed on the prize, which is Jesus Christ. Jesus is the prize. Salvation is about coming to know him as your own Father. You know, we cannot control tomorrow. We can't change the past. It's happened. It's, it's what is done is done. But how we live today will affect the direction of our lives for the rest of our lives. And the change in direction might be slow like a, like a super tanker. They say it takes forever to change direction because it's so big. Our lives might feel like they are super tankers taking forever to, to come into the right direction before we see the, 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 the results we want to see. But it happens, I'm telling you. The way you live your life today changes the course of your life forever. And this race that we're on, this race that we're called to, we are never called to walk it alone. God never intended for us to be orphans. He's given us His Spirit. And that we might know Him as our Father, that He will walk through life with us, just in a way like He did with Adam in the cool of the day back in the, back in the garden. When he called out to Adam, it says God was walking in the cool of the day as, as he would. And he called out to Adam, 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 where are you? And God wants to walk with us today. He wants to walk with us today through life. Walk with us by his spirit who indwells us. Romans 8.14 says, don't worry about it yet, Johnny. For as many as are led by the spirit of God, these are sons of God. God leads us. God leads his people by his spirit. John 16, Jesus tells us about the spirit of truth. He says, when the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. He will tell you things to come. God has given us his spirit to lead us, to guide us. As he says through David, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. So Romans 8, 14, he says, and as many as are led by the spirit of God, these are sons of God. That word sons is that word huios, which is the mature sons of, of God. And then we rewind a few verses, and this is what I want to dig into a little bit this morning. We rewind a few verses, and we see why he says, for the sons of God are led by. Because if he's starting the verse with four, he, he's, he's linking it back to what he has said. And he's been teaching the church the importance of walking with God by walking in God's ways. He calls it walking according to the Spirit. You know, God isn't impressed with me if I give up 
every weekend to spend every Saturday preparing a message and every Sunday setting up church and packing down church. And if my life behind the scenes doesn't match up with what you see here, you know, what, what God is, I am, you know, there, sorry, there, there was that song, I am who you say I am. But am I who I say I am? That's what matters. Am I the person behind the scenes that I am up here? That's what matters to God. Am I just preaching a good preach at you and living something different? This is the stuff. Who I am and who I am becoming is far more important to God than anything I could do or accomplish for Him. It's about our daily walk. It's walking it out with Him. The greatest testimony, the greatest accolade I've ever received in my life thus far was something my mother told me, right? Now, mothers always tell you nice things. This was a genuine nice thing, right? Let me have a sip of water. I'll keep you guessing. I'd been saved a couple of years. I was living in Joburg. My, parents, my family lived in Durban. And I caught up with my, my, my parents on a, on, a, on a visit down there. And um, my mother said to me, oh, I've got to tell you this, what happened to us. Your dad and I were out shopping. And um, we, we got our groceries and we got the change. That was the, day before, the days before contactless. You paid cash. Anybody remember them? Paid cash, right? <laughs> and she got change. And she said, but um, she was walking out the store and she, she thought to herself, I'm sure they've given me too much change back. And she, they stopped when they got to the car and she counted the money. And she said to my dad, hey, Pete, you know what? They have. They've, they've given us too much change back. And they said, what should we do? And she, she said to him, I wonder what Chris would do. Come on. Do you know what? I got saved at the age of 29. If you had known me, before, what a mess, what an absolute mess. For anybody to link anything of integrity with me and my name, anything of, of, of moral integrity, it's, just, it's a testimony of the change in my life through the power of God, through just making those small daily decisions, not the big stuff, Forget about the big things. It's the daily, it's the little daily things I do today that changes who I become. And we don't notice it in ourselves, but I tell you what, God changes us. God works us. He changes us from the inside out. I want to dig a little bit into Romans 8. Romans 8 is very wordy, but it is packed full of life-giving revelation. So I'm just going to step through it one kind of a verse at a time from Romans 8, 1 to 32. No, I'm joking. But we will do from one verse down to about six, and then we'll skip ahead a bit. But there's some such good stuff here. So Romans 8, verse 1 says that there is therefore now no condemnation from those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. You know what? I don't know what's happened in your life. I don't know what thoughts have gone through your mind this morning. I don't know what happened yesterday. But I can tell you this. There is no condemnation from God. Now, people will condemn you. Your, your own family might condemn you. The enemy of your soul will certainly place condemning thoughts in your mind. But there is no condemnation from God. And he talks about those who don't walk according to the flesh. And we all, I think, here understand what the flesh is. The flesh is that old sinful nature, the old Frank Sinatra in me that says, I'll do it my way. You know, that gimme, gimme, my name's Jimmy. Just let me get what I can for myself and I'll stand in everybody else's heads to get it. That's the old sinful flesh. But there is no condemnation for us. And verse 2 says, 
For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. He is the law, He's the Spirit of life. God is the author of life. The Spirit, the law of the Spirit of life, not the Spirit of death, the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free. It was for freedom that Christ has made us free. It was for freedom. Just don't use it as a cloak for sin. And he set us free from the, from the law of sin and death. There is no judgment for you. There is no judgment. He then says in verse 3, now verse 3 is particularly wordy. He says, for what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. So, my paraphrase, right? So, what, what God couldn't accomplish for us through the law, the, the law of do and don'ts, because of our sinful nature, because of the way we were, what he couldn't accomplish for us through that law, he accomplished for us by allowing Jesus to be our substitute, to allow Jesus to come and bear our sin, to allow Jesus to be condemned in our place so that we could go free. See, Jesus wasn't born of a man, of, of, of the seed of a man. Jesus was born of a virgin. Jesus was born of the seed of God, yet he took on our humanity. He took on the likeness of sinful flesh so that he could be your substitute, be my substitute, so that my sin could be placed upon him as that sacrificial lamb, and he took the judgment for me. Romans 8 says, God demonstrates his love for us. That, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were enemies of God, Christ died for us. How amazing is that? Would you die for an enemy? <laughs> would, you, would you die for somebody you loved even? But God demonstrates his love. So Jesus takes our love, and he says, takes us, and he says that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who don't walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. That the righteous requirement of the flesh. Do you know what? Man looks at the, at the outward appearance. God looks on the heart. There is a superficial religion, a ceremonial keeping of the law that, that, that will cause God to vomit men out of his mouth. You know, Jesus, when he spoke to the Pharisees, the, 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 the religious rulers of the day that, that, that dotted all their eyes and crossed all their T's, that did everything absolutely right. Jesus said to them, you brood of vipers, <laughs> you, you, you whitewashed tombs full of dead men's bones. Why? Because he said, because you clean the outward, outside of the cup, yet inward, inside, you're full of those dead men's bones. God doesn't look on the outward appearance. God looks on the heart. He washes us. He comes into our lives and he washes us. He gives us a heart of flesh, for a heart of stone, a tender heart, a soft heart, and he places the spirit within us so that we can live this life out right. But now, now we just need to align our stride with his, like Angram Lotz was saying there, let's walk in the same direction as him. Let's walk at the same pace as him. We align our stride with him. But he cleanses us from the inside. Don't, don't be impressed by the outward appearance of, of people, of what they do. Be but look at the fruit in their lives, what's coming from within them. Verse 5, he says, we'll just do 5 and 6, and then we'll jump down to, to 12. 5 says, for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. 
Okay, I just wanted to share that one, just to, just to bring this out. Walking and living according to the Spirit is not mystical. God does not get mystical with us and talk all vagaries out there in the cloud somewhere. Leave, leave the cloud to Apple and those people, right? God talks to us and, and, and in a way that you understand. He's not mystical. And he says, those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. Those who, want, those who are looking out for just what I can get out of life. They set their minds on the things. They don't just look that way. They set their minds. Those who walk according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. To set your mind on something means that there's, there's an act of your will involved. Your mind is involved, but now you, you're bringing your will into it to set your mind on something. There, there's going to be emotion in that. Well, what do we call that? There's mind, there's your will, there's your emotion. That's your soul. There's a soulish response to us and how we live our lives. A soul, you know, the Bible says, who can separate spirit and soul? But God can by his word. But, they, but the spirit and soul are so close. And yet, it is about setting our minds on the things of God. This is how we become spiritually minded. This is how we walk in the spirit. By giving our affection to God, like Sandy shared that, the, 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 uh, Mary, of, of, uh, Mary of Bethesda, who, who, who yeah, of Mary of Bethany, who, who broke that alabaster jar. She went and bought the most expensive perfume she could find. And she poured it out of her Jesus, a year's wages they reckon it cost. But that's what it is, to set your mind, to set your affection on God. To, there is one way, there is no plan B for me. We are going with Jesus. That's for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It's setting our affection on Him. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. It is life and peace. You know, to walk in God's ways is not to be dehumanized. It's not to become a space cadet, and it's not to become dehumanized. We don't, we don't go and live in a monastery in this monastic lifestyle, celibate and cold and lonely and isolated. That's called religion. That is not God's ways. God's ways lead to life and peace. We'll see just now from Isaiah that God's ways are so much higher than ours. They're just so much better than ours. They're so much better. God is not a God of religion, of isolation and coldness and religion. The rest of the verses, 7 down to 11, are just packed full of stuff, but if we go into them, we won't get to where I'm trying to get to today. We're running out of time fast. So we're going to jump down to verse 12. I'd highly encourage meditation on Romans chapter 8. I reckon it's the best chapter in the best book of the Bible, but they're all awesome. But uh, Romans 8 is fantastic. So we'll jump down to 12, though, verse 12. It says, Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. We are debtors not to live according to what is just good for me, but to live according to the, to the Spirit. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. You know, if we just live and just put ourselves first, there's going to be an outworking and a consequence of that. But, but, if by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. You know what? A drowning man can't save himself. You can't be drowning and try and pull yourself up out of the water. You, you just pull yourself. You can't do it. A drowning man can't save himself. We can't change ourselves. That is why Jesus sent his Spirit to come and dwell within us, to help us, to teach us, to put to death the deeds of the body, to teach us to walk with him, to come to know him as our own Father. For as many as are led 
are the Spirit of God. These are the sons of God. The mature sons of God. It takes time. It takes time. Nothing happens overnight. It is a journey. And we do stumble. And we do fall. And that's why we go back to the Bible. And we go back to Romans 8 verse 1 again. So let's go back there. We'll start again. No, I'm kidding. We won't. But we go back to Romans 8 and it says, But child of God, there is therefore now no condemnation for you. There is no condemnation. When we stumble and fall, there is no condemnation. Never, ever allow the enemy of your soul to get you into guilt and condemnation. It'll just force you into religion of trying to do better next time, which is all about behavior modification. Allow the Spirit of God. Receive the grace of God. Receive the mercy of God and allow Him just to change you from the inside out and just do better next time. Just, just set your mind on Him and just stay set on Him. Grace is not so that we can get away with as much as we can. Grace is so that we can get as close to God as we can as we are in, in our current state. In your present state, you come to God as you are. He receives you as you are. He knows you better than yourself. He knows exactly where you are. We can't impress Him by putting on like a, ta-da, here I am, Sunday morning, I'm good, Lord. <laughs> he knows us. He knows us. He doesn't, he doesn't need us to pretend we're something we're not. Just be honest with him. This is, you know, like Jacob who wrestled with God until, until, he, until he said, the angel said to him, who are you? And he said, I'm Jacob. And Jacob meant deceiver, supplanter. And then God touched the, 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 the bone, put his hip out of joint. And he said, from now on, you will be called Israel, friend with God. We need to recognize who we are and where we are in life. Just be honest about it with God and allow Him to take us on that journey forward from today onwards. Allow the Spirit of God to teach you how to walk with Him, to teach you how to put away the sinful or the, 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 that need to preserve self, that need to protect self, the need to get revenge, the need to look after ourselves and to, to allow us to, to teach us to, to allow Him to be our vindicator to allow him to be our provider, our healer, whatever we have need of, to live in the newness of life that Jesus came to bring us. So the benefit of walking with the Holy Spirit, the benefit of walking in his ways is life and peace. Yeah? For those who live according to the, if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if, <sighs> lost myself. <laughs> but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Right, you're with me there. Sorry. So, to the benefit of walking with them, the benefit is life and peace. Life and peace. The evidence, though, the evidence of living in step with the Holy Spirit has got to be Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit, this is the evidence that we are being transformed from the inside out. The evidence that we're walking in step with the Holy Spirit will be love and joy, long-suffering, or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness even, gentleness, gentlemen, gentleness, self-control. <laughs> you know, this is fruit. This is, fruit is developed over time. Fruit takes time to develop. It takes time to grow. It takes time to mature. As long as it remains connected to the source as long as it rains. We've got an apple tree in our garden, and we are continually raking up 
little apples that fall from the tree. You can't believe how many little apples fall off. And there's all these little dead spots on the grass under the tree. And I thought the previous tenants must have had a, a dog or something that, was, that had ruined the lawn. But I've realized after I'd left some apples out there after a particularly wet, wet period, I went out and these little apples had fallen there and, and they'd killed the grass underneath it. They were, they, well, they were killing the grass underneath it. And so I have to keep raking them up. But you know what? Those little apples, there's, now there's other apples on the tree and they're still continuing to grow. They're getting bigger and bigger. They're, they're, they're ripening. But those little apples that have fallen off the tree, they're small. They're not fit for human consumption. They will never become fit for human consumption. They, they, they've dislocated themselves from the source, from the tree. They will never grow. They will never ripen. And they will never be good for anything. In fact, they bring death to the grass. Do you know what? We have got to make sure that we stay connected to the source. If we don't, we will never mature. The fruit in us will never grow and develop. It will never be able to mature. We've got to stay connected to the source. You know, John 15, the vine and the branches. And he says, so, but the fruit of the Spirit is these things. It's the nature of Christ. This is, do you know what? This is eternal life, to, to know him, to know your Father. This is, the, this is the character, this is the nature of Christ that has been formed in us. Love, joy. This is the character of God. You want to know God? This is his character. Anyway, he says, but against such things there is no law. What did Romans 8 say? When, when we live according to the Spirit, we fulfill the righteous requirement of the law, that thing that was intended to do, that righteous living, as we walk according to the Spirit. And he says in verse 24, and those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. What did Romans 8 say? Put to death the deeds of the flesh. We've been saying week after week now, let everything be established by two or three witnesses. Let everything be established by two. Whether it's God's leading in your life, make sure you've got two, at least two or three witnesses that are lining up, confirming that's God's leading. When it comes to understanding Scripture and forming doctrine, let everything be established by two or three witnesses. So make sure you find it at least in a couple of places in the Bible. And here we have, again, okay, such there is no law. We see it in Galatians 5. We see it in Romans 8. Same thing with putting to death the deeds of the body. Anyway, so if, if we live according to the Spirit, let us, let us, our choice, let us walk in the Spirit. If we live in the Spirit, it is our choice. It is a choice that, that we and only we can make for ourselves. Nobody can make that choice for you. There, there will be a price to pay, and you're going to have to pay the price yourself. But the rewards are out of this earth, the benefits of it. But there is a price to pay, but you'll have to make that choice yourself. Isaiah 55, 8. Now we'll get there. Isaiah 55, 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as high as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Yeah, God's thoughts are so incredibly higher than mine, I could never attain to, to the depth of God's understanding and, and, and intellect and wisdom, and for sure. But he says, but my ways are higher than yours. And you know what? That is not to say that you could never become like me. My ways are so much higher than yours. What he's saying is, people, my ways are just so much better than your ways. Adopt my ways. Live life my way. 
My way is the way that is of love and joy and peace and long-suffering and kindness and goodness and faithfulness. They're not out of reach. God's ways are not out of reach. It's just the choice for us. Choose to walk in His ways. That's what the Holy Spirit is telling us. Walk in His ways. Walk in the Spirit. Set your mind on the things of the Spirit and not of the things of self. This is eternal life, to know God as your Father, the one who is, who is full of compassion and mercy. Come to know His ways. Come to know the ways of God. Immerse yourself in his word, immerse yourself in prayer, spend time with him, get to know him and walk with him through your daily choices. God is not some cold, aloof, harsh taskmaster. He's the author and source of life in his presence is fullness of joy at his right hand of pleasures forevermore. Come on. Why would, those songs we're singing today about the goodness of God and the Come on. God is amazing. God truly is amazing. He really is amazing. You know what? The call on your life, the call on your life is not to go out and accomplish great things, although God can and will do great things in your life. But the call on your life is Romans 8, 29, to be conformed to the image of Jesus. Jesus said, when you see me, you see the Father. That's the high calling then, right? We're going to stop becoming like the Father. As we grow through life, we are going to be conformed to the image of Jesus. We, we want to become like Him. So salvation is so much more than that, than that one-off prayer, that once-off. It's so much more than, than, than popping to church. It's growing, it's growing in the knowledge of God, being changed from the inside out into His likeness. It's not, it's not behavior modification. It's about being changed. It's allowing the character and the nature of Christ himself to be formed in you, to be formed, allow him to change you from the inside. Who you are becoming is so much more important to God than anything you can accomplish for him. It's who you are and who you are becoming. It's so important. So walk in him. Live, abide in him. And I'm going to close with this. Anne Graham Lotz. I'm just going to remind you, the two rules that she gave to walk with a friend is that both must walk at the same pace, they must walk in the same direction, or they won't be walking together. And when it comes to walking with God, we must walk at His pace, which is step-by-step step obedience to His Word. Step-by-step. Step. You don't know the big picture. You don't know what's happening, going to happen down the road. God seldom shows us what's going to happen far off, but just take the step-by-step step obedience. His word is a lamp to our feet, a light to our path, one step at a time, and walk in his direction, which is the surrender of our will to his. Church, it's time we took a walk with God. We are going to walk with God. So this morning, I just want to encourage you, no matter what has happened, no matter where you are, no matter what regrets you have from the past, no matter, no matter what hopes you have for the future, give it to God. Set your mind, choose, it's a choice. It's, it's, it's going to require an act of your will. Set your mind on the things of the Spirit. Trust Him enough, trust Him enough to know that He is truly a good, good Father. He's the perfect, some of us have had rotten fathers, some are a whole lot worse than others even. 
But I tell you what, God is a good, good Father. And He cares for you. He knows you. He knows everything about you. And He loves you. You've got to know that God loves you. He loves you. He does. You're not perfect. You're not always pleasing. But He loves you. You are the apple of His eye. He loves you. He says, greater love has no man than this than he laid down his life for his brothers. He laid down his life for you. There is no greater love that he could do. There was no greater act that he could do than to be, take on our, our humanity and come and be as one of us and pay the price for us. Greater love has no one than this. He loves you beyond imagination. Trust him enough with your future. Trust him enough that he, will, he has forgotten your past. He's not holding it against you. God is not holding anything against you. He loves you. He is for you. He is the one speaking that to you in the depth of your heart, in the depth of the night, deep cause unto deep. And he's the one encouraging you. Come on, get up again and try again. Don't give up. Keep going. God is for you. Come to know him as your father. This, this is eternal life, to know him as your father.